it's a super Sunday. I'm so glad that y'all are all here with us this morning. And what a better place. There's not going to be any better celebration this evening or anything than what is occurring here this morning. So such a great opportunity to be here. Um, I'm grateful for the opportunity to, to share with you this morning. My name is Jason Fuller. I'm the executive pastor at First Baptist Church. Our pastor is out this morning. He and his family were able to get away for a time of relaxation. So they'll be Josh will be back next week, but um, this morning, John did his best interpretation of me doing the announcements, so I'm going to do my best interpretation of Josh and see, see how that goes this morning. Uh, we're going to continue with the series that we've been going through, the, the Cradle to the Cross, as we've looked from the, the birth of Jesus to we've looked as wrestled with questions as people would ask Jesus who he was, as we've dealt with issues of doubt and faith as we've dealt with how do we pray, how do we communicate with God. Well, today we're going to look at how we deal with worry, something that probably everyone here, for honest, at some point we deal with, with our worry, with our anxieties. Uh, think on a scale of 1 to 10, how, how stressed out are you right now? With 1, not real stressed out, 10, real stressed out. Um, research will show us that most of us, any given time, is probably more in the middle to the more stressed out part than ever on the not very stressed out part. Uh, we look at some, some research, the American Psychological Association, their 2023 report on stress tells us that, that American stress about finances and the economy, that 83% of us stress about the economy and finances, about money, right? We, we, we stress about money issues, how we're going to pay our bill, how we're going to be able to do this, how can we afford this, you know, well, what's this going to do to my retirement, that 83% of us, so most of us here, for honest, we, we struggle with those, those are worries that, that we all have to deal with, and when you look at some of the research that came out, it's interesting and makes sense in a lot of ways, but the younger you are, the more stress that we're seeing, and I mean, some of that's even more than then the generations before that have been that same age. But if you're below the age of 44, you're probably going through a lot of stress. And, you know, a lot of us fall in that category. That's when you're, when you're going through school, you're trying to pay for school, you're trying to get career figured out, you have children. Are children cheap? No, they're not, right? They're expensive. And, they, and they're not just expensive here. I've got three teenagers now. They're always expensive. It's stressful. And it's a stressful time in life. And a little bit of the, the sad thing I believe that we're seeing too is anxiety among children is up. And we're seeing a rise from year to year in the anxiety level of children. And as a parent, I worry a little bit like, are they getting that from me? Do they see how I handle worry and stress and anxiety? And if I'm not handling it the right way, is that where my children are so anxious and stressed? I mean, so, you know, as parents too, we, we look at this and say, okay, how, how are we dealing with stress? How are we dealing with our anxiety? And, and I love the scriptures. I love Jesus because as worry and stress was a deal for us today, it was a deal back then too. It wasn't like, oh, we've got it so much rougher now than they did back then. We're humans and, and God made us, created us, and he knows we're emotional people and that we deal with feelings and we deal with, with worry. And Jesus looked at his disciples here as he were going to see he's visiting with them. And he looked at some guys that were dealing with some stress. And we're going to see here in the, in the parable Jesus told right before the scripture we're looking at today that he just gone into 
a parable about greed, about not storing up so much that you're not living for the now and that that, that, that greed isn't something that needs to, to be part of our lives. He said, be on your guard against all kinds of greed for life does not consist in, in an abundance of possessions. And then he also says in that parable, this is how it will be with whoever stores up things for yourselves but is not rich toward God. That how do we handle it? He looked at those disciples and he just talked to them he just heard them teaching in the crowds, and they're thinking, okay, if we can't store stuff up, but you don't want us to just store up all this, and we need to stay away from greed. Well, these are disciples that he's looking at that have kind of walked away from their occupation for this time. They've, they're, they're following him. They don't know where their next meal's coming from. They don't know where they're going to be sleeping tomorrow night necessarily. They're following Jesus. Would that have been a little bit of stressful to be one of the disciples? I think it would have been. And I think, I love it that Jesus looks at them and he acknowledges that. He sees that in them. And you'll see the language he uses in here when he's talking about father and little flock, that he doesn't chastise them for this worry, but he wants to bring comfort to them because he doesn't want them to live in this state of worry. And he doesn't want us to live in this state of worry. He doesn't want that to be something that defines our life. He doesn't want us to go around always worrying about money and finances. So we're going to look today at Luke 12. In Luke 12, verses 22 through 34. And we'll see here in getting it says, Then Jesus said to his disciples, Therefore. So that's what we just talked about. He's, he's referencing back to this parable about greed. And he says, I tell you, do not worry about your life. Well, you will eat or about your body, what you will wear, for your life is more than food and the body is more than clothes. Consider the ravens. They do not sow or reap. They have no storeroom or barn, yet God feeds them. And how much more valuable you are than birds. Who of you by worrying can add one single hour to your life? Since you cannot do this very little thing, why do you worry about the rest? Consider how the wild flowers grow. They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you, not even Solomon in all of his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God closes, closed the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, how much more will he clothe you, you of little faith? And do not set your heart on what you will eat or drink. Don't worry about it. For the pagan world runs after all such things, and your Father knows that you need them. But seek his kingdom, and all these things will be given to you as well. Do not be afraid, little flock, for your Father has been pleased to give you the kingdom. Sell your possessions and give to the poor. Provide purses for yourselves that will not wear out a treasure in heaven that will never fail, where no thief comes near and no moth destroys, for where your treasure is, your heart will be also. So we see in here, and as we see the word worry in here quite a few times, if you looked at it, some translations, you'll see the word anxious in there as well. So we kind of use those interchangeably. He's saying, don't worry. Jesus is simply telling us to not to worry. Why? Because your Father knows your needs. He could have said God here, just, but he said, no, your father knows your needs. We see in verse 22, he says, do not worry about your life. And verse 29 says, don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. And 
in verse 32, he says, don't be afraid. We've heard this many times, and Jesus is simply saying, nothing can be accomplished by worrying. Nothing can be accomplished by worrying. And I just want to preference all this in saying at the beginning that if your anxiety is causing panic disorders or obsessive-compulsive disorders, um, if your phobias are unmanageable, that may be a physical problem, and it's okay to seek out medical help for those. But what we're really looking at here today aren't unchosen worries, but, but chosen worries. Things that maybe we've even brought into our lives that create extra worry that we shouldn't even have to have in our lives. And we're going to kind of look at those and dive into those because we really create a lot based upon our lifestyle of, of chosen worries. And, I mean, they're serious worries or not so serious worries, but sometimes we're just worrying about stuff all the time. Sometimes I just think, as a parent, like, maybe you've been there. After church today, where are we going to go eat? And your mind begins to run, okay, well, I know if I pick this place, so-and-so's going to be happy, and then it's going to create this and this and that. And then you start running through your mind like, okay, it's just not worth it. We're going home, but then nobody's going to be happy, right? So, you know, we kind of run through some of those things, which is kind of silly, but, but we find little worries like that, but then there's big worries that we have. And then when we pile those together, we're worrying about a lot of stuff. And there's worries that, again, we take on to ourselves. I remember I was watching the news around Christmas time, and I heard this statistic come back, and I like rewound it on the news. I'm like, I just didn't hear what I thought I heard. They said 25% of Americans are still paying last year's Christmas off this Christmas. Do you think that causes a little bit of undue stress in our life over that whole year that we're worrying about money, that if maybe we had done, made some better decisions on this side of things, we wouldn't have to be worrying about those? So some worry we kind of bring on ourselves, right? But, but how can we begin to even eliminate those? Because it told us, I think it said over half Americans were going to take on credit card debt this Christmas, and then hopefully 37% of them are going to pay that off in the next two months. But still, though, we're, we're, we're taking things on. We're bringing unneeded and addicted added stress into our lives. And Jesus says, I read this, he's just saying, okay, I want you to stop worrying. And you're like, okay, well, how do I do that? Well, Jesus is going to tell us how to do that. But first, he's going to tell us why we don't need to be stressing. I mean, why we, why we don't need to be worrying. So the first thing, if we look back in, in verse 23, Jesus tells us life is more. He says, life is more. He says, life is more than food and body and the body more than clothes. Life is, life is more than where you go out to eat and how many times you go out to eat and where you can go out to eat and all the different places that you go out to eat. Life is more than what we put in our bodies. A lot of times we don't, we don't stress about if we get food, we just stress about where we're going to get the food. Um, and he says, hey, it's, it's more than clothes. It's more than, than what you're going to wear. You know, some of us aren't worrying about do we have clothes to wear. We're worrying about we go in our closet. What am I going to wear? Or I go buy something. I'm like, I don't have room to put all this stuff. Yeah, it's unchosen worry that we've kind of began to put into our lives and, and things that have began to, to cause extra stressors in there. But, but here he's saying, life's more than your possessions. Jesus saying, hey, if you look at the disciples, he looks at us, he says, life is more than your possessions. Don't go about stressing and worrying about your possessions because your possessions aren't going to buy you the happiness that you're looking for, that you're wanting. It's going to cause probably more stress than it is 
happiness in the long run. And, I, and I've seen that when I've, I've been on a lot of mission trips. And I, I like when I go on a mission trip because it's just a reminder to me of what's important and the most important things, especially when you go into some of these countries where people don't have nearly as much as we have. But we went into Mexico this summer. We went into some two-room two houses. And probably we wouldn't want to call those houses as much as we went into. But walk into a room that's a living room, that's also a bedroom where some hammocks stretch across the space here. There's a little room over there for a kitchen, and five people live right here in this space. And you look at the floor, and you look at stuff, and you're like, then I see the kids running around, and they're smiling and playing, and, and, and the parents are engaged, listening to what we're talking to, and smiles on their face. Sometimes you think, well, how can they be happy in the midst of this? And it's like, we, we, if we're not careful, we tie happiness and joy to our possessions and not even to just life. Jesus says there's more to life than possessions. You know, there's family. There's our relationship with God. There's, there's relationship with our friends. There, there's so much more to life than our possessions. So if we're going to worry about something, let's worry about some of those things. We're going to focus our minds on some of those things and not worry about our possessions that we have. So that's what Jesus is, is trying to drive home here. And our worries began to, I believe, question you know, God's power. You know, do we believe that God can provide in these ways? Because our, our life doesn't exist based upon the abundance of our possessions. That's what Jesus just told him in, in that uh, parable right before there in Luke 12. Um, it's, not our, it's not about our lifestyle, but it's about our, about our needs. One thing about this question before we move on to the next point is, what if God agreed to meet your needs but not sustain your lifestyle? What if God agreed to meet your needs but not sustain your lifestyle? Would be okay with that? Because he's telling us here, life is more than the things that we possess. He doesn't say it's bad to have things, but too often our things begin to possess us more than us possessing them, right? If we're honest. We move on, and in verse 24, Jesus tells us, he says, you matter more. Verse 24 says, consider the ravens. They do not sow or reap. They have no storeroom or barn, yet God feeds them. And how much more valuable you are than birds. He's sitting there talking to his disciples. You see those birds over there? And as he points them out, those weren't any birds, they're ravens. And, and Jesus knew, and the crowd knew um, what Jesus was saying. We looked at those birds, and he said, See those filthy, unclean, dirty birds there? Because ravens were unclean. He said, If God's going to take care of them, but some of you need to hear this this morning. He's going to take care of you. It may not be always in the way that we want to or in the time frame that we want to, but he's saying, you matter more. Some of us here maybe feel this tall. We're stressed with stuff. God's saying, you matter, you matter more than birds. You're mine. Because he says, as, as, as a believer, he says, you're, you're one of my children. You know, we're not born into the family of God, but we're adopted into the family become a believer. And he, and he says, now you're one of my children. Now you're one of mine. In John 1.12, he says, yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in him, in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. If you're in Christ, you can trust that you've been adopted into God's family. 
If he takes care of the, of the birds, if he takes care of the, of the hills, he clothes them, surely he's going to take care of his children. It's important, again, remember, he takes care of our needs, not necessarily our wants. He's our father. He created us. He knows what we need. And, you know, our greatest need is what? Jesus Christ. He took care of our, greater, our greatest need. What makes us think he's not going to take care of our lesser needs? If he's able to create everything that we see around us, he's powerful enough to manage the world that we see around us, has he? So just know that you matter more. Next we see that worry doesn't work. Worry doesn't work. He says in verse 25, who of you by worrying can add one at a single hour to your life? We can't do that, can we? I mean, it sounds so easy. But why worrying doesn't really help us, does it? And we, we see evidence that it's not really a good thing for us. Uh, quite honestly, when we worry, a lot of times it just makes us miserable. Have you ever been worrying about something and your kid comes up and asks you a question? Maybe you're paying the bills and you're kind of stressed out about that. And they're like... Hey, um, I need $20 for my t-shirt at school. And you're like, you need $20? You know, you like jumped your case because you're stressed about the finances. When we get stressed and worried about those kind of things, when you're worrying about something, is it a good time to be around you? It isn't, is it? Worry doesn't make us pleasant, happy people. It, it quite has the opposite effect. And Jesus says, worry isn't going to get you anywhere close to what you want or where you need to be. Corey Tim Boone put it this way. He said, worry doesn't empty tomorrow of its sorrows. It empties today of its strengths. Yeah. It harms us more than it helps us. It drains us more than fulfills us. And research has shown, ironically enough, worrying doesn't lengthen your life. It actually shows that it can shorten your life. So, so worry isn't where we need to be. I remember as the floodwaters were coming into our house for Harvey, sitting there kind of water watching, and you could just see on the sidewalk, it got closer and closer and closer. And so I could sit there and just worry about it. But I mean, it's, what's, up, what's my worrying going to do to stop the rain and to stop the water from coming in? And the water came in, and we got 18 inches in the house. Yeah, my worrying, or my, if I get in the road, it doesn't do anything. It just stresses me out and do stuff now. I'm thinking, okay, okay, let me see. What can I do? I can start Right, putting stuff up higher, trying to save this. There's some actions I can take, but ultimately I wasn't going to be able to control the rain. I'll do what I can. And I think sometimes I, when I see the birds out there, God's talking about, the birds didn't sit in the nest and just wait for God to bring worms. They were out there doing what they could, but ultimately it was God that gives the provision. And just like my house, God didn't stop the rain like I was hoping he would that would come in my house. But I can tell you, God paid for provisions afterwards. And God provided in ways I never thought he could provide. He brought avenues that I didn't know were going to come. That, that worry doesn't accomplish what we want it to do. It just takes us farther from where we want to be. And then next we see here that Jesus reminds us that this isn't our home. This isn't home. Look in verse 30. He says, for the pagans, the pagan world runs after such things, and your father knows that you need them. Worry, you see, adopts the perspective of the unbeliever. 
They don't have anything to put their faith in. They don't have any kind of foundation that they can plant their lives on. So when things happen here, yeah, they're going to worry. They're going to, because everything they have invested in life is here. And are, are, are we chasing the same thing as the unbelieving world is chasing after? Or do we remember that, hey, there's something greater for us? Because, you know, this isn't our home, is it? We, we don't build up all our treasures and build up all of our mansions here for what we're going to have here. We remember, hey, we're as aliens and strangers here. We're passing through. God says, the, the, your reward, what you're working for, is next. Now, we don't invest everything that we have here. Does the world invest everything they have here? Yeah. This is where their hope is. This isn't where our hope and our investment is. So we remember that we don't look like the world. We don't chase after the world the things that the world chases after. Because it says here in Philippians 4.19, and my God will meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Jesus Christ. God knows what we need. Knows what we want. Sometimes he gives us what we want, sometimes he doesn't. But he knows what we need. And he's going to provide it when we need it. We trust him with that. And then next we see Jesus says, it's your Father's pleasure. He says in, in verse 32, Do not be afraid, little flock, for your Father has been pleased to give you the kingdom. God wants to give us his presence. He has a kingdom to us that he's, he's excited to offer to us. And, as a, and I think as he's presented, as Jesus has talked to him as God the Father through all this thing, he chose to use the word father. And the, does a father like to give good gifts to his kids? Does a mother, parents like to give good gifts to their kids, right? As we just came through Christmas, most of us didn't want to give a gift that our kids were going to be like, bah, and walk away from, right? We, we put thought in the gifts. What kind of gift? I want to give a gift. I don't want a gift that they're, not, they're going to be done with in two weeks. And I, and I want to give them something that's not just a waste of my money. That's gonna, I want to give them something that's going to bring joy to them. That, that's going to be of usefulness to them, that they're going to delight and enjoy. We have a heavenly Father that has wonderful things that he wants to give to us. And he's given us access to those through his son, Jesus Christ. So he says here, hey, it's your Father's pleasure. And, and for some of you here, maybe you're still wrestling with that decision. Are you a child of God? Because you know, we're not born as a child of God. I said earlier, we were adopted into his family. Maybe some of you here have never come to that point of accepting him as your Lord and Savior. That you've been doing things your way, you've been trying the ways of the world, and it hasn't taken you where you wanted it to be. And you're beginning to discover that falls short. Or I say, I worry all the time, and, and I've never just trusted God. Maybe some of you at this point this morning, in this whole sermon, until you get that relationship right, none of the rest of this is really going to make sense until we get that relationship right. Because when we get that relationship right, it changes our perspective on everything. So I encourage you, if you haven't ever made that decision or to, to follow after him, follow through his believer's baptism, I'd love to talk to you about that after the service. Our staff would love to talk to you about it during sometime during the week. Just give us a call and set up an appointment with one of our ministers. I'd love to talk to you about what it means to follow after Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. So Jesus goes through here and he tells us all the reasons Okay, this is why you don't need to be worrying. And now Jesus is getting to, okay, let me tell you some, some things to help you not to worry. 
And he looks at the disciples, let, let, let me reassure you guys that you can have faith in me. So look, as we're looking at overcoming worry and in verse 24, he tells them here, I believe first, slow down. He says in verse 24, consider the ravens. They do not sow or reap. They have no storeroom or barn, yet God feeds them. And how much more valuable are you than the birds? So he says, consider. He says, look out there at those birds out there. What does that tell you about God? Look at those hills over there. What does that tell you about God? Sometimes I'm afraid we're so busy with stuff that we don't take a moment to reflect and see how God's proven himself faithful, how we see that God's in control, that we see the artistry and the master, mastery of everything that he's created around us. We sit there and you see the birds and you just, man, just the way that they can fly is just amazing to me. I think there's a God that designed them. There's a God that designed it. There's a way for them to have food in the nest that they go back to and how much speaks about the detail that you see. And I think sometimes we get so busy that we don't take time to reflect and see where God is all around us. And then sometimes we're in the midst of things, we forget how faithful God has been. When we're in, we're in the midst of trials and we, we start looking at ourselves and we begin to worry, we forget, hey, God's delivered before. You know, I always think about the Israelites. Hey, they walk across on dry soil, crossing, crossing the sea, and then months later, they're crying that they're hungry. And we were like, how could they be so stupid? God provided then. God can provide now. But aren't we kind of the same way we, if we don't take time to look back? And when sometimes we take time to look back, we're like, well, if God can handle that, why am I doubting that he can handle this? I just need to trust. And that we trust in God's, in God's provision. And just as we were singing songs earlier while I was thinking, he's faithful, he's faithful then, he's faithful now. When we sing those songs, are those words that we really believe? I loved our praise band, did a great, awesome job leading us this morning. And in those songs just kind of struck a chord with me as I was listening to those, like, do we really trust him? You know, do we, do we, do we see how he's been faithful then and we know that he's gonna be faithful now? But some of us need to slow down and, you know, think, well, God told us that in, in the scripture. And he said, hey, I want you to take the Sabbath and I want you to slow down on the Sabbath and take some time to relax, reflect. And, you know, unfortunately, we've kind of begun to fill our Sundays up as well too, haven't we? Uh, but I think it's important that you think about a time that you can reflect, that you can stop, you can consider. And then we see Jesus says, hey, seek his kingdom. In verse 31, but seek his kingdom and these things will be given to you as well. Well, what does it mean to seek, seek his kingdom? I think it means that we look at every opportunity and situation and instead of just thinking, oh, what could go wrong or how, how can I minimize my risk that we think about how can I bring honor to God in this situation that we begin to pursue after him instead of pursuing after things. That, that our thoughts become his thoughts. And instead of focusing on me, myself, and I, that we focus on the bigger picture and God's kingdom and what he's called us to. Because when I'm focused on others, it makes my life so much better than when I'm sitting around just focusing on me and my things. But he says, seek after his kingdom. And then thirdly here, Jesus says to live generously. To live generously. He says, sell your possessions and give to the poor. Provide purses for yourselves that will not wear out, a treasure in heaven that will never fail. Where no thief comes near and no moth destroys. For where your treasure is, 
your heart will be it also. Maybe some other thing is, maybe we just need to eliminate some of our stuff. Some of our stuff causes more stresses for us than it's worth. And maybe some of us, we really want to help. We really want to go fill those baby bottles up up there, and we want to be generous with that. But I just don't have the money. Why? Well, I've got to pay for my, my Netflix subscription. I've got to pay for my car pay. You know, we've got all these things that we've, we've taken care of ourselves that we don't have the money to be generous even though we want to. You know, and the truth is, generosity really isn't based just upon the possessions that we have. I'm always reminded of that. I remember years ago, our home got broken into on a Sunday morning of all times because they knew where we were going to be at. Oh, no. We come home, our TV's gone, camera's gone, we has gone, some things just gone. And I remember one of the ladies from our church, and she wasn't a lady that had financial means by any means whatsoever, probably one of the least in our church. And she came up to me and said, Jason, we have a Wii that my kid doesn't really play that much anymore as he needs to, but... I know you got one stolen, and you're welcome to have mine. Uh, she didn't have a lot, but she had a generous heart, and she didn't try to hang on. She could have sold that for 150 bucks, help pay the rent or whatever, but, but she had a heart of generosity, and she had a proper perspective on things. And to me, that's always a strong reminder of, of what are we really hanging on to. A few, a few, quite a few months back, almost a year ago, we went through a book by Randy Alcorn called The Treasure Principle. And if, if you go back, I want to try, you look back over those, those six principles laid out there because it falls right in line with what we're talking about, about how we handle our money and our things. But we think about how do we loosen the grip that we, the, on, our, on our things? We do that by giving it away. You know, and it's not just a one-time thing, but it's a lifestyle that we live a generous lifestyle. I'm going to close today by, by thinking about looking at Scripture, John 10, 10. Jesus said, I came that they may have life and have it to the full. Jesus came for us to experience life fully. And I dare to say when we let worry, anxiety, stress run rampant in our lives, we're going to fall short of that full life that he wants us to enjoy. Like, that we can step out and we can trust that he's going to provide that we don't have to sit there and worry about it. You know, if we, if we sing that we have faith and we say that we have faith and we know at some point we have to turn off the worry, don't we? And say, okay, I've made these requests to God. I've taken these to God. I mean, I just think I don't have to pray to God about the things that concern me, the, 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 the problem, my bill that's coming up, my lost job, my marriage, whatever it is. Don't mean we don't take those things to God. We don't sit there and worry about them because we said worry doesn't accomplish what we want, but that we step out on faith and we trust that he's going to provide, that, that, that we can, he's going to provide the full life, and we can experience the full life that he has free of worry, doubt, and fear. So uh, just leave that with us this morning. Like, What are ways, as you thought about that number when you came in, your anxiety level, your stress level, wherever that was, what's it going to take to tick that down some over the next week? Can you put some of these things into play that begin? Because chances are your circumstances may probably won't change. But what can you do to make it a how you're handling those circumstances this week? Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, I just thank you so much just for, just for your generosity toward us and just 
how you've poured out your love for us, how you adopted us into your family, how has even looked at the disciples and you saw their, their fears, their anxieties, their worries, and you didn't chastise them for those, but you brought comfort to them and reminded them that they have a heavenly Father who cares for their needs, that cares about, cares about what goes on in their lives, that, that you're a loving Father that cares for your children. And I pray, God, that, that as we leave here this morning, that, that we remember that and that we believe that, that we own that, God. And I pray whatever is on our hearts, whatever's causing us stress, whatever our burdens are, that we bring those to your feet. And we trust as you manage the world and create the world that you can handle the things in our life, God. Again, we just thank you for your love. We thank you that, that you care for us. And I pray.